So, uh, two weeks ago, we started, Pastor Godfrey started the series on Daniel, talking about faithfulness, and uh, how faithfulness is very important for us today. And I wanted to continue on that series, and so we're going to be looking at the story that's found in Daniel chapter 3. And so I would invite you to open your Bible with me to Daniel 3 and leave it open there because we will go back and forth to it. Um, Before we go any further, I would just invite you one more time to to come in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for this beautiful sunny day that despite the snow, you still continue to give us warmth. And at this moment, we invite your Holy Spirit to not only give us the physical warmth, but the spiritual warmth that only your Holy Spirit can give to each and every one of us. May we hear your words at this moment. May our lives find meaning in your words, and may we find direction. Bless us this day. In your name I pray. Amen. Two weeks ago, Pastor Godfrey spoke about faithfulness within relationships. Last week, faithfulness in truth, in love, through love. And today I thought we could talk about the ripples of faith. Ripples of faith. And when I say that word ripples, what comes to mind? Maybe that glass cup in Jurassic Park where there's water and when the T-Rex comes closer, you see the ripples of the water coming out because of the vibration of the T-Rex footsteps. For me, what I think about when I think of ripples is, uh, I'm trying to make sure I'm not going to bump into anything. Uh, What I think about when I hear ripples is a story of Peter. Peter was a 10-year-old boy who had just received a new toy boat from his parents. And he couldn't wait to play with his boat, so he asked his mom permission if he can go to the pond to play with his boat. And his mom said yes as long as you don't go in the water and then come right back home for dinner time. And so he took his boat and he ran to the pond. Now this was the days before motors and electronics and and anything that would make that boat come back, like a radio or anything. This was more so a boat with a rope on it. And so he would put the boat into the water, he'd push it out, and he'd pull it back in. And he did that several times. And he enjoyed playing with this boat. And then all of a sudden he thought about, what would happen if I pushed it really hard? How fast will it go in the water? And that's exactly what Peter did. He pushed that boat really hard and it went fast. Did you know what happened? He forgot to hold on to the rope. So the boat was out of his grasp and it's just going further into the pond and he's thinking to himself how do I get my boat back he tried to look for a branch but there was no branch that was long enough to reach his boat and he remembered his mom's words do not go in that water so he was in a predicament realizing that there's nothing he can do he started to cry over his boat Then some boys, a little older than him, maybe teenagers, saw uh, or heard him crying. And so those four boys came to his direction. And the oldest one, the tallest one, the biggest and strongest one said, what's wrong? And Peter looked up to him and said, I just lost my boat. 
It's in the middle of the pond. So Tom, the older boy, looked at Peter and then looked at the boat and started thinking how he can help in, get that, in getting that boat back. Then he had an idea. He knelt down, picked up several rocks, and he started to throw the rocks over the boat. Peter saw this and said, what are you doing? Stop doing that. You're going to hit my boat. And Tom explained to Peter, I'm not trying to hit your boat. I'm throwing it over your boat. Peter finally got the idea, and he liked the plan. So he picked up more rocks and gave it to Tom. And Tom just kept on chucking those rocks over the boat. And what was happening was that the rocks were hitting the water just slightly past the boat that it was causing ripples. Ripples in the water, which those ripples were little tiny waves that were strong enough to bring the boat back to shore. A brilliant plan. A brilliant idea that Tom had. And Peter picked up that boat, and you should have seen the gratitude in his eyes as he thanked Tom. I think our faith is like ripples. Can you imagine if your faith is like that rock? It's thrown into the water. And then as your faith penetrates that water, it continues to ripple. It causes ripple effects. That through time, through relationships, your faith is experienced, your faith is, uh, is appreciated, your faith causes others to be inspired that they want to live out the same faith that you have. And that's what I mean by ripples of faith. And I think we see that story here in Daniel chapter 3, with three young men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're tested, when their lives are threatened, their faith ripples so much so that it affects a nation. So let's take a look into the story. A brief background into Daniel chapter 3. We come to the point, we have to understand what happened in Daniel chapter 2. And I won't speak too much into detail about it because Pastor Godfrey is going to speak on that. But in Daniel chapter 2... What happens before Daniel 3 is that Daniel chapter 2, the heathen king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, receives a vision. And you've heard the story quite well, especially since we had our series with Sean Boonstra a couple of weeks ago. That this image, that this vision that Nebuchadnezzar receives in his dream is of a statue made of gold, a gold head, a silver chest, a bronze waist, iron legs with iron and clay feet. And as the Bible tells us, he's perplexed by this. He's confused. He doesn't know what this dream means. And so he asks his advisors, he talks to his astrologers to translate what this dream is trying to tell him. Everyone is baffled. They said, we don't know what that means, King Nebuchadnezzar. But then they remember Daniel. There is a man who can translate anything. And so Daniel is presented to King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel, humble as he is, says, there's not any person in this world, in this kingdom, that can translate this dream. But there is a God in heaven. A God in heaven can translate this dream. And so Daniel does. He prays for Nebuchadnezzar. And as you know, the statue represents the kingdoms that are to come and go. 
and how God's kingdom is supposed to come down, represented by that rock, crushing that statue. That, the purpose of that vision for Nebuchadnezzar was so that Nebuchadnezzar can understand his place in time. Because if humans, if people can understand their place in time, well, we would be humbled by that, at least one would think. Here's what Prophets and Kings has to say in regard to this commentary about Nebuchadnezzar's pride. For a time afterward, Nebuchadnezzar was influenced by the fear of God, mentioned in Daniel 2. But his heart was not yet cleansed from worldly ambition and a desire for self-exaltation. The prosperity attending his reign filled him with pride. In time, he ceased to honor God and resumed his idol worship with increased zeal and bigotry. Instead of reproducing the image as he had seen it, remember gold, silver, and such, he would excel the original. His image would not deteriorate in value from the head to the feet, but should be made entirely out of gold, because the gold head represented his kingdom. Symbolic throughout all of Babylon as an eternal, indestructible, all-powerful kingdom which should break in pieces all other kingdoms and stand forever. So, Daniel chapter 3 verse 1 starts like so. Nebuchadnezzar the king, because of his pride, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits Um, It it was six cubits wide. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The plain of Dura was a suitable spot because it was flat land to where lots of people could gather around to worship this image that Nebuchadnezzar created. And his, his pride doesn't stop there. If anything, verses two through seven tells us that he even makes a decree, a law, that you should worship my God, my gods, my heathen gods, lowercase g, you should worship my heathen gods, and you will also bow down to the statue. And if you refuse to do so, the penalty shall be death. Verse 8. At that time, Certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. Verse 12, there are certain Jews, as these Chaldeans are speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, advisors of his, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due uh, regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. They're being called out at this point. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's pause there for a second and think about who are these men. It tells us in Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, is that they were practically kidnapped from their homeland in Judah, in Jerusalem. They were taken into captivity in 605 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar uh, ransacked the city and took captivities. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are part of these men. It tells us in verse 3 that the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. These were young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand. And they had the ability to serve in the king's palace. Cream of the crop. Cornell University. Harvard. These are uh, the men, the young men that made up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But it doesn't stop there. It tells us that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego actually had different names. In verse 6, it tells us that among those sons, the noble sons of Judah, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Their names were changed to, Daniel was given Belteshazzar, Belteshazzar. Hananiah was named Shadrach, Mishael was named Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. I want to pause there for a second because that really tells us the pride that Nebuchadnezzar has. Because in ancient times, that if you were going to conquer a land, you wanted to get rid of that land that you conquered as far as culture, as far as what they practice, as far as what their religion was, even to the diet of food that they ate. That's exactly why Nebuchadnezzar tells us, uh, Daniel chapter 1 tells us that Nebuchadnezzar gave them choice food, food that they would eat. And not only were they going to give new food, but they were also going to receive new names. He was going to change these young men's lives and their identities completely. But the wonderful thing about a person who walks with God is that your name may be changed, your lives may be changed. Where you live may be changed, but your faith can never change. And we're going to see that with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want you to first think about that. That in regard to the ripples of faith, your identity is secured in God. And these young men knew that. Going back to Daniel 3. Once Nebuchadnezzar was told of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not kneeling to worship, it tells us in verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, gave the command to bring the three young men to him. And so what ends up happening is that they're brought to his presence. And I can't help but imagine what it must have looked like that this king, it tells us that he was rage and furious, he spoke to them, And said, is it true that three of you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Verse 15. If you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and if you fall down and worship the image which I have made, that's going to be good for you. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Did you catch that part? 
of the pride that Nebuchadnezzar has. He said, and who is the God, cap, uh, lowercase g, who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? We're talking about faith. We can't understand faith unless there's a challenge. Because I truly believe if there's a challenge, then our faith is illustrated, exemplified. And here is the challenge. The challenge now is to the three young men is, you kneel or you burn. You kneel or you burn. I don't know what your fiery furnace is in life at this moment. I don't know how that looks like. It might be with finances. It might be with problems within the family or work-related. But we all have a fiery furnace where we sometimes feel the heat around us is getting hotter and hotter. And the one thing that I want to point with this as we go into the next verse, before we go into the next verse, is as we're talking about ripples of faith, I also want to bring up the idea of how we express our faith. How do you express your faith in the times of challenge? Some places in scripture tells me that Abraham, when he was met with two strangers, as the two strangers wanted to give him news about Sodom and Gomorrah, he expressed his faith to these two young men, or to these two angels, with dinner. He invited them inside their home. As I recall, Joseph, Joseph expressed his faith by forgiving his brothers who had wronged him so long ago when he was sold into slavery. You think about Paul, he expressed his faith through preaching and through teaching. Because what we're about to see right now is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they expressed their faith by standing up. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, I mean, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able, He is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And He will deliver us from your hand, O King, is how they respond. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have created. That's how they're facing their challenge. Some might serve a meal. That's their expression of faith. Some might forgive. That's their expression of faith. But these men are, are choosing to stand up. To stand up before Nebuchadnezzar and said, no, we are not going to kneel. Look what happens next. Since we're talking about fiery furnace, we think the fiery furnace is that big uh, place where the fire is coming out of. The fiery furnace is actually Nebuchadnezzar's temper. Have you been following this? Look at verse 19. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. In verse 13, it says Nebuchadnezzar was enraged and furious. Now it tells us that Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 19, was full of fury. His anger is getting hot. 
Sometimes we like to say that the fiery furnace is that very place where the three men go into to get burned. But that's not just a fiery furnace. There's this other fiery furnace of this king who is just getting angrier and angrier because he's not getting what he wants. Hmm. And the expression on his face, Nebuchadnezzar's face, changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he spoke and commanded that the heat in the furnace burn seven times more than it usually does. Because at this point, he's just so angry, he wants that furnace to burn as much as his anger. Talk about pride. Talk about pride. Have you ever given thought on what this fiery furnace must have been like? It's not just a wood stove. It's just not a fireplace. Commentaries and scholars believe that this fiery furnace was the size of a bedroom. Imagine your master bedroom. Okay, What's the size of a master bedroom? I'm thinking maybe 12 by 14. It was that size. To where you could fit large pieces of clay in there, and then they would use that to make bricks. They would toast it. And those bricks were made to were used to make their temples and their gates and etc. And some scholars even believe that that image, that gold image that Nebuchadnezzar had made, was actually created in that fiery furnace. It makes sense that it would only be a large fiery furnace. It tells us here then in verses 19 through 23 that the three men were bound that they were taken by the best soldiers that Nebuchadnezzar had, and they were taken up into the fiery furnace, but that the fire was so hot, the soldiers were killed because of it. Nonetheless, the three men still made their way into the fiery furnace because they remained faithful unto death. It tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus was also faithful unto death. That if we are faithful we can actually be faithful unto death. So they walked into this fiery furnace. And what happens next? Ripples of faith is what we're talking about. Ripples of faith. Here is my last point. We talked about ripples of faith. We talked about the expression of faith. Now here comes the impact of faith. What happens next? Verse 24 In my Bible, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and surprised, and he rose immediately and yelled out to his counselors, Did we not throw three men into the midst of that fire? They answered and said to the king, Yes, we did. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. I have to ask this question. What made those three men stand up in that fiery furnace? What made them brave enough to have the guts to do so? Because I often ask myself, if it came down to persecution, can I be faithful? Has anyone ever asked that question? Maybe out loud in a Bible study or maybe in just in your head. Can I remain faithful? Faithfulness is only as, your faithfulness is only as strong 
as how much you exercise it. Did you catch that part? Your faithfulness is only as strong as far as how much you exercise it. Did you realize that Daniel chapter 3 has no mention of Daniel? There's 12 books in the book of Daniel, or 12 chapters, sorry. In each of these chapters, Daniel is mentioned every single time. However, in chapter 3, he's not mentioned. However, his presence, his influence is greatly felt. His faith is still felt. And I know that because of the three men. I think those three men were able to stand because they saw the faith that their friend had, Daniel. I think these three men were influenced by their friend, Daniel, in coming to God on a daily basis. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, tells us that this is how Daniel worshipped every single day. Verse 10, it says, When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room... With his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Listen to this last part. As was his custom since earlier times of his life. As was his custom since early days. That leads me to believe that the ripples of faith influenced him through countless years. It leads me to believe that Daniel knew how to come to God when he was an adult because he learned it as a child. He learned it as a child. I think the ripples of faith tells us that Daniel learned this not only in Babylon, but he learned it before he was even taken from captivity. He, while he was still in Jerusalem, maybe when he was still three years old, he heard his parents, he heard his priests, he heard his, heard his church leaders talking about God and how they should come to the Lord three times a day, praying thoughtfully and, and, and taking the Lord's will into consideration. I think he did that from day one. And so when he was taken into captivity at the age of 17 or 18... He was able, with no parents any, uh, there any longer, with no church leader there any longer, just himself and his three friends, I think he was able to live that life of faithfulness because he had practiced it from day one. His faith was exercised from day one. That should speak a lot to us today. And so because of Jerusalem teaching its young boys and girls on how to live for the Lord, that rippled out to Daniel. And when Daniel was taken out to captivity, that rippled out to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt, uh, was inspired by the faith of Daniel, that rippled out now to Nebuchadnezzar, which brings us to the last few verses. Because Nebuchadnezzar saw this great miracle, it tells us in Daniel chapter 3, verse 28, listen this, to the proclamation of this heathen king. It says, Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him. 
Verse 29, Therefore I, Nebuchadnezzar, make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because, listen to this last part, there is no other God who can deliver like this. Remember that question he posed back in verse 15? Who is a God who will deliver you from my hands? Well, because the man decided to stand faithfully tall. The king himself is declaring that there is no other God, capital G, who can deliver like this. Are you following the ripples of faith? Back at home in Judah and Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, Judah, city and country. Back at home, Daniel learns the importance of faith and to live for God. When he's brought into captivity, that ripple then affects Babylon. And then it affects Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith then, in turn, lastly, influences even a heathen king. The ripples of faith. My brothers and sisters, I ask this question at this moment. How are you living out your faith? And it doesn't have to be as grand as Moses splitting the Red Sea. It doesn't have to be as grand as Paul going from one country to another country being a missionary. It can be as simple as what we talked about earlier. Faithfulness in giving food to those that need it. Faithfulness in the stewardship of your skills and time and ability. Faithfulness in standing up by sitting down and caring for someone who is hurt. Faithfulness. Because your faith that rock that you have thrown into the water may have lasting ripples that will affect all of humanity, not for the present time only, but for future times to come as well. To really put this sermon together and to close with this story. Some time ago, three years ago, I came into this patient's room uh, serving as a chaplain and I introduced myself as Chaplain Ed, and uh, I'm here to, to just check in with you to see how you're doing. The patient said, I'm not religious, I'm not into that God stuff, I'm not, so I don't want the God talk, is what the patient said. And I said, that's fine, can I still come in and, and just chat with you? And she said, no, <laughs> please leave. So I said, okay, bye, <laughs> closed the door behind me and left. A couple weeks later, I was called back to her room by her primary nurse. And the nurse's request was, this patient of mine would like to uh, be connected to a local church. It's like, are you telling me, I'm going to use the name Shelly. Shelly wants to be connected to a local church? Because she told me she does not, she's not religious and she doesn't want the God talk. And she said, Ed, yes, she wants to be connected to a local church. So I was baffled by this, and I decided to see her again, and I went up to her room, and I said, Hi, Shelly, it's Chaplain Ed. Um, your nurse told me that you'd like to be connected to a church. 
And this time around, her room was far brighter. She had let the sun in, and she was filled with a big smile. And she said, yes, I'd like to be connected to a church. And so we briefly talked, and I asked her what church she grew up in, so that way I can call a church that she, she was comfortable with. And she mentioned Baptist. Um, and so I said, okay, I, will, I know a couple of Baptist pastors in the community, and I can connect you with them. And we uh, talked a little bit more about her family and so forth. And after about 45 minutes, I just had to ask the question, what changed your mind that you wanted to have this God talk that now you even want to go to a church? And she said, I know I said I wasn't religious, but I had just drifted away from the church when I was younger. What's bringing me back is my nurse. It's like, really? What did nurse Anne do? Fake name, don't worry. Uh, what did Nurse Anne do? Well, in these last few weeks that we've been with each other, she's just been so wonderful that despite all of the illness uh, of all the sick people that she has to take care of, and I know I've been a hard patient on her myself, she's always carrying a smile. And I asked her, why are you always smiling, Anne? What helps you always smile? And Anne would always come back with the same answer. Because God is good. Because God is good. For a while, I thought that was so annoying, Chaplain. God is good. God is good. But then after a while, I started thinking, yeah, I think he is good. Because it got me to count my blessings. And my nurse, Anne, helped me count my blessings. And then I learned that my illness is something that's curable. That's another blessing. So chaplain, I feel like I'm in this new place in my life because of this God-sent guardian angel in Nurse Anne. Nothing big to express her faith. Nothing out of the ordinary. Not splitting the Red Sea not going into a big mission field. Nurse Anne simply just talked to her compassionately every single day when she worked and made a difference in Shelley's life, that she wanted to go back to church. That, my friend, is a true example of the ripples of faith. The challenge for us this morning, as I challenge you to go home, this is your homework and it's, if it's something you want to share back to Pastor Godfrey or myself or to a friend, you're, feel free to. But it's a challenge just really between you and God. Reflect on what your faith is. Reflect on what you feel is the best way to express your faith so that another person's life is impacted. Just as much as Nebuchadnezzar's life was impacted. Just as much as Shelley's life was impacted. And you will see that the ripples you have caused will speak volumes, will speak volumes. Let's pray. Blessed Heavenly Father, thank you for being our Tom to give an example of how faith, when it's thrown into the pond, can cause a ripple effect. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we have been moved this morning to where we can live a life like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
and Daniel as well, as well as Nurse Anne, that we can live a life so much so that our lives will cause a ripple effect to those who are immediately around us, family and friends, and even further out, that the ripple continues on uh, towards our, to the people of our community, our cities, and perhaps even our country, and perhaps even this world, O oh Lord. May we not discount ourselves if we feel like, I don't have big faith. It's not about big faith. It's just about going out there to do something, O oh Lord. And so I pray for that action, for that desire to just get out of our seats, to just act on the faith that we know you are calling us to do, O oh Lord. And in doing so, may you bless our work, that our faith, as genuine as it is, may influence, may inspire others to bring their lives to you, O Lord. That is what we pray for. That is what I ask be the mission of this church, of Castle Rock Adventist Church. In your name I pray. Amen.